product approval is when the end user is able to sign off and say, this connector is perfect for our needs. It gives us confidence then to go ahead and go to prototyping and ultimately then to building, sometimes for many years and, and globally. Hello and welcome to the Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical, chatting to some of the leaders in the electrical field, finding out how they got there and what they think may be next for the industry. We'll also be chatting with manufacturers and suppliers around Europe about which products are going to make our lives and jobs easier this year. My name is Dusty Rhodes. Coming up, we'll be chatting to connectivity solutions specialist Ilmi UK. But first, let's talk to a director who's been described by some as an international man of mystery. Why? Well, his career as an electrical industry agent has taken him across the globe. He speaks fluent Spanish and Italian and has customers in every country in the world. Now that the pandemic has grounded him for a bit back home in Wales, it's the perfect time to catch up with Errol Owen and have a chat about his illustrious electrical career. Errol, you started off as an engineer, but how did you go from that to being a globe-trotting electrical icon? Uh, well, I, I qualified as an engineer in uh, a long time ago, <laughs> and uh, I started my career as a production engineer in a factory. And uh, in during my work there, uh, the company uh, chose me to go to uh, Switzerland to evaluate a piece of uh, production equipment that in those days, cost £30,000, a huge amount of money, and to be the production engineer for this piece of equipment. I went out there a couple of times. We finally got the equipment in, and it was installed, and I was responsible for it. But the company we went with was the importer of this uh, piece of equipment, which was based in Croydon. And after a couple of trips, they offered me a job. They wanted somebody uh, more technical to support their sales team, So after two years as as an engineer and not seeing any future, uh, I was a mechanical engineer, by the way, not not electrical, Um, I decided to join them, moved down to London. And this company was importing specialized production equipment from various countries, from Germany, Switzerland, Italy, uh, France. And I was being sent to some of these companies to, to see the equipment. And then came my first trip to Milano in 1973, to visit a company that was making equipment for assembling circuit boards. Hmm. Two or three trips there, and the uh, the nice it- Italian Beniamino offered me a job. You were doing an awful lot of international travel at the time as well, which would have been unusual, I would imagine. Um, yes, I suppose so, being relatively young. Hmm. When I went to work for the Italian company in Monza, actually, in uh, 1975, I was primarily responsible for developing the U.S. market for his equipment. And we had a distributor in Chicago. You know, I was only 25, and I was going to the States, spending maybe three weeks each, uh, even longer sometimes, and, you know, travel to most of the U.S. states. There were three um, big exhibitions, NEPCON East, West, and Central, that we took part in. I actually gave a technical paper in the New York Coliseum on uh, the advantages of the equipment that we were we're trying to sell to the Americans. On top of that, I was doing traveling uh, in some European countries uh, as well. And how was it traveling around to all of these countries and seeing it from a technical perspective? I mean, were they all up to the standard that we would be used to in Western Europe or were you seeing a lot of variations? 
Well, it's uh, difficult to generalize. You know, you could go, you know, the South American countries were uh, technically behind. At the time, I would meet people staying in the same hotels that I was, and they were generally all from European banks, and they were offering money to these countries to develop the countries. Yeah, I would say they were generally a, a, a bit behind. But then if you if you go to Asia, Singapore was, you know, was the jewel in, the, in Asia, if you like. They were far ahead of the others. So they'd all be developing at, in, at, at different speeds, I would say. And how do you get on then with dealing with companies? I mean, they're all in the electrical field, so you kind of have that in common. But you've got differences in culture. You've differences of where they are uh, with their own businesses. Uh, you've got differences in languages. How are, how are you able to, to handle all of that? Well, I suppose you you, uh, you you self-train yourself. There isn't any formal training, uh, you know, for this kind of thing. You know, the objective of my job was to create sales, create relationships, learn the language. I never I never had language lessons. I learned the languages because a because I I, I lived in Italy and I had to, and then uh, Spanish traveling in South America you had to. English wasn't widely spoken in in these areas. If you if you take Italy where English might be the second language now. At that time, it was French. If needs must, you manage. It's part of the job that I enjoy is uh, speaking to people and understanding different cultures and, and mentalities. Let me ask you about the, the flights. I, I believe that you have taken 3,716 flights, very precise figure. Yeah, that's, that's correct, yeah. <laughs> you could probably fly the plane by yourself by now. Uh, well, I recognize most of the noises, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you're referring to the story of taking off from Pisa and um, all of a sudden we were going and then all of a sudden we went. The engineers came on board and I said to the, the steward, I was sitting in the front row and to the steward sitting in front of me, I said, oh, the left engine didn't start. And he said, pardon? And I said, the left engine didn't start. And he was looked at me puzzled. <laughs> I was actually asleep at the time, but I, so I don't know how I figured that one out. But yeah, I've heard quite a few noises, but the 3,716 isn't plucked out of the air. I've actually got a book, which I started to fill in right at the beginning in 1973, my first flight which was Manchester to Zurich, and I thought I'd keep filling it in and just for fun. You have a huge amount of experience, and I love the way that you would be a very hands-on person when you're dealing with clients and you would know them personally and have seen them, but the world is changing now completely so that we have a trend for online working. Do you think people will be able to forge a similar career like yours today? Um, well, it probably be more difficult but uh, i was able to uh, invent this career for myself mainly because um, i was in italy italy is more accustomed to using external people for sales agents consultants and these types of people whereas other countries are not especially northern european countries that they don't they don't generally use this this sort of support so that's a setback for anybody who wants to start anyway it's been a great advantage for me during let's, let's call it this this period of, of lockdown, in that I know most of the people I talk to on a day to day basis personally, I've met them many many times, so that's been a sort of advantage compared to people younger people who haven't done the travelling who don't know the people the culture and the mentality as well. Whether it'll go back to visits, I don't know. It'll probably be a hybrid thing people have realized that they don't think it's necessary to go somewhere to uh, to understand what's going on you know things have also changed in terms of communication now we all use email 
I call it death by email. You know, very often the people who are communicating, talking to each other, it takes them 50 emails to understand what, what they're trying to say to each other. Whereas a simple phone call or a meeting sorts things out. I'm a great believer in uh, talking to people and you can do that over Zoom or telephone calls or whatever because you've got language and nuance in there. And email is great for conveying hard information, isn't it? So it's like, you know, you chat to somebody, you go, and I'll send you the quote. And that's what you use email for. Yeah, but, you know, because I've been in the business a long time, you know, the, the personal relationship is everything for me, really. It's, it also gives um, an interest in the job in be, being able to talk to people not just by email or just about the basics, but talk about, you know, their country, their politics, their life, and to get a, a proper understanding of the way they think. Because if you don't, if you have no idea how somebody thinks you, it's even more difficult to do a sales job, I think. Errol, uh, let me wrap up by asking you in your long and uh, illustrious career that uh, you did have a hand in shaping Domain Electrical. What What is the connection there? Or do you even know? Oh, well, I, I visited Domain, well, almost 40 years ago, probably, uh, when they were in, I think it was Robin Hood Road then, working from the office was a sort of a house, and um, Noel, Noel, uh, Noel McLaughlin, who founded the company, and Cyril were working from there, and I met them and we started to do business, became, I'd like to say, very good friends, and I felt I'd found a company, an Irish company that I could rely on, trust, and um, and work with. And so I tried to do most of my business through through Domain. We discussed many things. The company grew. Noel used to come out to the exhibition in, uh, in Italy. We met in Germany. We met in various places and um, became close friends. It's a very good company. Noel was a great ambassador for, for Ireland because every exhibition, he'd carry a pile of books about Ireland with him. And one of the things that we agreed on that... Uh, he wanted to import his products from the European countries directly and not through England, because Ireland was a, was a, was a, was a, was a country which is very nationalistic. I'm a very nationalistic Welshman, so you know we were very much uh, in tune on that. And then in this uh, later phase, I'm very proud to be able to say that uh, I think I've been assisting the current management of Domain in different areas, and I'm very very proud to be associated with them. I'm not saying that because uh, because it's a domain podcast. But I really do. I really do believe that and feel that long association and uh, long may it last. It just goes to show the uh, the importance of relationship in, in business and trust as well, doesn't it? Well, it is. You know, you've got you've got to be honest in the business that you do. No, no, no tricky stuff. You have to be straight and be honest because there are so many situations and so many things going on that even if you tell a white lie. The trouble is you won't even remember what you said in three weeks' time, so it's not worth the risk. On that note, uh, Errol, thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing with us on the Domain Electrical Podcast. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to our Switched On podcast today. The podcast brought to you by Domain Electrical, the leading independent Irish-owned supplier, importer and distributor of industrial electrical components in the country. Uh, Just to bring you up to speed on them, if you don't know, Domain have been in business for more than 40 years. And that long success has been built not only on embracing innovation, but also looking after and really listening to their staff, along with excellent relationships with their extensive network of customers and partner suppliers. 
the end result for you is that when you call Domain, you know that your sales contact there actually knows about the products and can suggest the right solution to any problem that you are trying to solve. If you haven't done so already, do check out their website. You'll get the story of the company and the people behind it, along with the catalogue and contact details. Their website address is domain.ie or just use the link in the show notes which you'll find on the phone app or the website you're using to listen to us today. Let's move on now to Ilmi UK, a designer and manufacturer of industrial multipole connectors for power, signal and data. Joining us is Dimitri Gardikiotis, an application development engineer who works with industrial companies to develop connectivity solutions, identify and resolve any technical issues. Dimitri, can you give me an example of that, the sort of technical solutions that you have to find in the course of your work? For sure. I mean, the thing is with multiple connectors, they can be found in in almost every industry, you know, so in almost any electromechanical system, you know, so as you can imagine, there's all kinds that go into an electrical signal, you know, from the power requirements, sensitive data and signal, for example, that needs protected from the, uh, you know, from the noise, the electrical noise that, and so on. Ethernet, even fiber optics, you know, other kinds of, uh, of data, you know. So developing connectivity solutions, you know, really is, if you like, uh, you know, a job in itself, if you like, to make sure that everything is as it should be, you know, mainly it meets the requirements of the actual end user, you know. Mm-hmm. And so how do you go about doing that? Well, so mainly, as I say, I work with industrial companies, so I'll be speaking to design engineers, electrical engineers, um, a lot of connectors as well are very mechanical objects, if you like. So I'll very often work with mechanical engineers and um, they will know exactly what they need to achieve. They'll know the power that they require. They'll know the data, they'll know the sensors, they'll know the valves that need powering up. So I'm able to compile that data by speaking to them and then come up with a bill of materials and a connector which which meets those requirements. So I would say how I achieve it, it really is all to do with talking to the end user, talking to the customer and just understanding their requirements, understanding their needs and being able to make sense of it, if you like, and put it into a, a bill of material which is easy to, to study and to develop. So essentially, somebody will come to you with a very specific problem for their their factory or their facility or their building or whichever it is that they're working on. Uh, And they go, I need to, you know, kind of get this talking to that and and that connected to that. And you are you're the guy who kind of comes up with some solutions for them. Am I right? Exactly that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, we work with all kinds of companies, but basically wherever you find machines, control panels, distribution boards, automation systems, robotics, you will also find connectors as well and uh, as you've said all of these uh you know sub like subsystems of a system need to communicate to each other they need to be you know powered so um you know and these aren't just your average bits of kit you know so they're a bit more specialized when it comes to to plugging everything together for sure so because they're specialized and they're being incorporated into in, into a bigger system how do you gain approval for the specifications that you that you're giving that's the question. I mean, ideally, in the ideal world, I'll be speaking to design engineers right at the beginning of the design stage, way before prototyping and way before we've even got anywhere near an actual build. So, of course, product approval just means that everything on that machine, including the connectors, is absolutely fit for purpose. It's been tested. It's absolutely perfect for the job. And to get to that stage, as you can imagine, there's a lot of trial and error. Things can change. I mean, 
goalposts change all the time. So uh, I have to be able to adapt to that and then offer a different solution. But yeah, so product approval is what we're aiming for, if you like. It's you know, product approval is when the end user or the, the the client, the customer, is able to sign off on the solution and say this connector is is perfect for our needs, and then it gives us confidence then to go ahead and go to prototyping and ultimately then to to building sometimes for for many years and and globally. Now, as you say, things are always changing, and quite often it happens that uh, people change. So if you're setting up a a system with a particular, as I say, facility or building or company or whatever, and you're dealing with an engineer and you work through it, and that's that's great. And then that person is going to move on to another job or they'll move on up the ladder within the, the company that they're working for. So product training has to be an important part of what you do for the person coming along. How, how do you tackle product training? For sure. In fact, that, that example you gave of, um, you know, you're dealing with a certain engineer from concept to launch. I mean, designs can take years. So, and it, and it has happened, you know, I'm sure it happens often where, you know, your best friend in a, in a company then, as you say, changes position or leaves the company altogether. And it can set things back quite a bit. So um, it is important to make sure that there's at least one person or two people in the in the company who you're working with, who, if you like, can champion the connectors. Because the, the thing is with connectors, not a lot of people know an awful lot about them because they are quite... <laughs> they're quite obvious, but if you like, they're, they're not on the forefront of people's minds when they're designing a machine. You know, it's maybe, you know, it's not the panel. It's not like the the big expensive systems that go inside a panel. You know, they can be, they seem quite, uh, you know, they're very fundamental, if you like. So I think product training does come in handy because it, it, it just gives clients an understanding of what it is that we're looking at. Because, I mean, our catalog alone, you know, we're talking 800 pages. There's all all kinds of information in there. And it, it's true that when people, you know, don't deal with connectors all day, every day, like myself, they can feel rather lost and the job can actually seem a lot more daunting than what it actually is. So, you know, this is where I come in. So especially for distributors and for, for large industrial users, um, just to be able to inform them about breaking down the catalogue, what solutions are available to them, what's new and up and coming. It just kind of, breaks it down into smaller, more manageable jobs. And then it makes, you know, solving problems hell of a lot easier than when you've just got a massive doorstop of a catalogue on your desk and you're meant to find some time in the day to, to sift through it. You know, that's where I can come in. So let's take it right home uh, to what we're, we're interested in here on the podcast, and that's Domain Electrical, who are a large distributor. How do you train the guys that you're dealing with in, in Domain Electrical uh, about your product so that when they're talking to their customers, they're able to come up with the right solutions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, ideally we would, you know, meet up together. You know, I go over to Ireland often, you know, we'd get together around the table. And I think one of the the, the main things to do is to make sure you have samples uh, and, and, you know, connectors there with you to talk about. I think it's it's very easy to get lost when you're just dealing with catalogs and drawings. I think what people enjoy is actually, you know, taking components and connectors, getting them on the table and, you know, try themselves, just putting them together and, and, and seeing how they physically work. Um, it, it sticks in a lot of people's minds a lot better that way rather than just going through a PowerPoint presentation. So ideally what I would love is al- almost like a, an exhibition kind of 
setup where, you know, I'd um, come over from Liverpool, you know, landing island, go over to the mains, you know, get all the connectors out on the table and um, just kind of informally go through them, you know. And it, it, you can do hell of a lot more with a product right there in front than you can with any PowerPoint presentation. That's, that's my opinion. But obviously recently now with the, the way things are at the moment, I've been using... Uh, you know, doing training online as much as possible. You know, it's useful to be able to share your screen and things like this. But I must admit, I do miss the hands-on approach to just dumping a case full of connectors on the table and, you know, mm-hmm. letting people go through it themselves. That's for sure. It won't be too long before you're back in, a, in on the Emerald Isle or Dublin's Fair. That's City. for sure. Like in history. Tell me, uh, Dimitri, just to wrap up today, uh, what, what is making you excited this year? What's, what's new in the industry that's kind of getting a, a, your juice going, as it were? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was um, very pleased to see. I mean, our, 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 Ilmi is based in, uh, headquartered in Milan. So we're an Italian company. That's where all our research and development and, and manufacturing takes place. So it was great to see um, this January that the the engineers, they um, they showed all the new products that have been released for 2021. So 2020 was a weird kind of year, but it was, it was fantastic to see all the research and development that had been taking place behind the scenes. And they came out with some fantastic new solutions for the new year. So um, I think, to be honest, the one that stood out for me more than anything is... Um, a connector specifically for the food and beverage industry. Uh, it's a hygienic connector. I mean, it, se- it seems quite obvious, as we said before, that connectors can be found everywhere in, in every industry. So uh, food and beverage is just one of them. But the reason I think it's so interesting is because the food production process, you know, from the very first stage up to packaging, uh, you know, they have very strict regulations in place, uh, hygiene, cross-contamination, cleanability, all this. So a connector in that kind of environment, it really does need to be something quite special. And uh, and this year we actually have that um, beautiful thermoplastic enclosure. I mean, up until recently in clean rooms and things, I've often seen stainless steel being used to avoid rusting, uh, you know, corrosion. But um, using a proper heavy-duty thermoplastic, you obviously eliminate the problem of corrosion altogether, but you also don't have the prices and the availability that come with stainless steel enclosures for your connector. Um, you know, IP rated, these things are being jet washed with extremely tough detergents, kind of, you know, the cleaning agents that are used in this food and beverage industry are quite harsh. And these connectors pass with flying colors. There's no blistering. There's, um, and as you can imagine, if something was to blister and damage and fall into the food in a production plant, that could be absolute disaster. And speaking of traceability as well, um, these new connectors, they're also metal detectable. So, of course, as well, if any part of the connector was to fall into the process, it could immediately get picked up by, um, by a metal detector as well, and also by visual systems and, uh, and X-ray and things like this. But um, that's what's getting me excited, really, the fact that up until recently, no rectangular connectors were really able to satisfy the strict requirements of, uh, of the food and beverage industry. But now we're, you know, Ilm have brought out a connector that's changed all that. And you're right about the strict requirements on the food and bev industry, and quite rightly so. Listen, let's leave it uh, there for today. Dimitri Gardikiotis, thank you very much for your time. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. If you'd like to find out more about our guest today, just follow the links in the show notes. You'll find those in the description of this podcast on your phone or whichever device you're listening to us on. They include links, contact details and anything else you might need to get more information. 
Our podcast today was produced by dustpod.ie for Domain Electrical. And of course, you can find out all about the country's leading independent Irish-owned supplier, importer and distributor of industrial and electrical components at domain.ie. Do join us next time when we'll discover another well-known industry leader who has worked their way up from the shop floor to managing director. To get that automatically, just click the subscribe or follow button on your player right now. From myself, Dusty Rhodes, until the next time, thank you so much for listening to the Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical. Listener.